BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. It's Friday, October 26, 2018, and you're listening to Up to Date. I'm Andre Viscontis. And I'm Kishore Hari. Anything catch your eye in the news this week? Yeah, you know how I'm always interested in living longer? <laughs> yeah, I think all of us are interested in that. <laughs> I don't know. You know, there are some people that you talk to that are kind of like, ah, I'm okay with like, you know, kicking the bucket in the in, in my 80s or something like that, especially if like your body is going to continue to degenerate. Yeah, quality of life is an important component of this. Yeah, except that I also feel like, I mean, unless you're like really suffering, I think that I want to live to 150, even if my body starts to fail slowly. <laughs> but, you know, I, I respect other people's uh, opinions on that matter. But recently, there's some good news for all of us, because a team of researchers uh, from the Yale version uh, of college in Singapore, so it's Yale and U.S. college, uh, discovered a combination of pharmaceutical drugs that are already out on the market that not only increases the healthy lifespan of C. elegans, the worm often used to study longevity and, and human aging, but also kind of makes them live healthier lives for the lives that they do live. Wait, wait. They do live? Well, yeah, sorry, I guess that was a really weird way of putting it. But essentially, what this group did is they doubled the lifespan of C. elegans. And not only that, but the the worms that did live twice as long as the worms that didn't, uh, that didn't have this drug cocktail, were also healthier throughout that lifespan. So it wasn't like, okay, they started to degenerate around the same time, but they just kind of lived longer. Um, it looks like in this particular study, the worms actually were healthier uh, all the way through to the end. And doubling a lifespan, that's kind of a big deal. I mean, a lot of these studies might increase lifespan you know, by a little bit, but to double it really is kind of a game changer. And doubling in the lifespan, I mean, a lot of lifespan research has focused on C. elegans for a long time now because of caloric restriction. We understood that through the lens of C. elegans and mm -hmm. and in terms of genetics and longevity, like telomere lengthening, we've understood that through the lens of C. elegans. So are there like really crazy conditions under which they extended this a double uh, their lifespan in, in terms of they've they surrounded it with the best possible conditions from all of those factors to get us to where we we are now? Or is this like a reasonable set of conditions uh, that led to the doubling? I mean, from my reading of the paper, it seems like it, the, the, the main difference was just this drug cocktail that they that they used. And, and so they they want to specify that these are this is not just a single drug, but rather uh, a drug combination and that these drugs um interacted to to you know double the lifespan so the combination of the drugs was better than any drug alone and they acted on the uh, TGF beta pathway um, which you know is, is essentially 
has a, has a number of different features, but is involved in sort of the, the lifespan of a cell, um, but also recruited genes related with insulin growth factor signaling. So perhaps related to the kind of restricted diet hypothesis where, you know, insulin and, uh, and, and sort of its relationship with the immune system and, and cytokines and so forth uh, is one of the things that speeds up aging. So if you can sort of downregulate that particular signaling pathway, um, then maybe you can make these cells, you know, healthier for a longer period of time. Well, I think that's important what you're saying. So it's the fact, even though there's multiple drugs in this in this cocktail, it wasn't like they gave them drugs and starved them, or they didn't give them drugs and then you know uh, induce some genetic changes in, in the in the worm as well. So that I think that gives us some sort of reason to be excited about this uh, this study. Yeah, and also you know it's like they they're using drugs that are already on the market for other purposes. So for example. Um, one of the drugs they used was rapamycin, which is currently used after an organ transplant to sort of turn down the body's immune system so that it doesn't reject the transplanted organs. Um, and previous experiments have shown uh, in, uh, from other groups that that just this drug alone also does extend the lifespan of C. elegans. But in addition to that, it expands the lifespan of fruit flies, of fruit flies and... <laughs> Sorry, that's my baby sneezing. Of fruit flies and mice. So, so this is what's exciting, I think, about this work is that these are, you know, these are drugs that um, we know are safe for humans uh, because they're already on the market. So they're being repurposed. Um, but another thing is that it seems that they are targeting pathways that are pretty ancient. Uh, so because they seem to have effects across these many different systems, worms, fruit flies, mice, etc., um, the idea is that this is actually targeting some of the kind of ancient biological mechanisms by which our th cells age, uh, which I think makes it really encouraging. All of that being said, we're still talking about a really simplified uh, a system in C. elegans compared to humans. So it's not like you're suggesting that any sort of treatment regimen using these drugs, even though they've been tested on humans, is around the corner. Um. Yeah, no, I wouldn't say that. Although I'm sure there are some people who are gonna who are gonna try to, um, you know, read this paper carefully, figure out what the drugs are, and see if they can get some doctors prescribing them. Of course, I wouldn't recommend that. But you know, they also uh, collaborated with another group, uh, sort of a related group, in in the same university, and and they they a similar drug co cocktail they used on fruit flies, and that also seemed to, to work. So the fact that you have two evolutionarily distinct organisms with the same drug cocktail experiencing similar extensions makes it, you know, kind of encouraging. So so I think it's 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 a good um, start. I think, you know, obviously we have a long way to go and, and you know, probably won't help you and me. But, you know, this is sort of one step towards kind of slowing down the aging process, which, you know, I'm very interested in. Today's episode is sponsored by News Voice. We all know that the news ecosystem is problematic and that it's really hard to get unbiased information and different perspectives. News Voice wants to be an app that changes that. They're revolutionizing the way that we read the news. News Voice aggregates all major news sites as well as international and independent media in a personalized news feed. Each story shows you multiple sources, which are all clearly tagged with their bias and perspective. And since News Voice is shaped by its readers, you can upvote stories that you find interesting and add stories or missing links. For the first time ever, News Voice wants to be a completely open and democratized platform for news. 
You can catch up on breaking news by reading unbiased summaries or dig deeper into a story by reading multiple sources and perspectives. I downloaded News Voice to try it out, and one thing they didn't mention in the copy but I actually really appreciated was that it just looks really great and it was super intuitive to use. So if you want to try out News Voice, go to newsvoice.com slash minds. Uh, it's for both Android and iOS, and it's free. So to check it out, just go to newsvoice.com slash M-I-N-D-S. Well, again, my story is much is a little bit more pessimistic than your optimistic tale of of life extension. I want to revisit something that happened a couple weeks ago, which is the failed Soyuz launch, uh, a Russian based launch that was intended to take uh, one American astronaut and one Russian cos- cosmonaut to the ISS. Uh, two minutes into its mission. A, a number of warning lights went off, and the Soyuz capsule was ejected from the top of the rocket. Uh, and luckily, it safely landed back on Earth, and both the astronaut and the cosmonaut are safe. Wow, what but are in, the chances of that? I, it's it's a pretty harrowing tale. And so I, I've sort of a recommendation and sort of a story for our listeners this week. So NASA Administrator Jim Bridenstine actually interviewed uh, the astronaut on board, Nick Haig, uh, in this video series for NASA, and it's about a 10-minute conversation, and they talk about what it was like on board, because initially we had been given indications that uh, the computer systems noted a failure and ejected the capsule automatically, and there was some sense that everything that happened after that was just sort of on autopilot. Yes, the astronauts had to do some, execute a couple you know, different things and experience some probably incredibly harrowing situations, but this is all computer-based. Turns out that's not what happened. Um, so the warning went off and the capsule was ejected and they went weightless because all of a sudden they stopped essentially going up and are about to start coming down. So this weightlessness is essentially a warning. They're about to start falling now. And uh, he describes seeing like a pebble of debris come across his field of view. And meanwhile, by the way, all in Russian, because uh, American astronauts that go fly aboard Soyuz have to execute all of their commands in Russian and speak to ground control, which is in Russia, in Russian. They start executing a series of maneuvers to essentially get the capsule in the right orientation so that it can land properly. So soon after they sort of go weightless, they start pulling about 6.7 Gs uh, on their way back to Earth. Now, that is beyond what uh, is specced for astronauts to go through. They train for something higher. They train up to 10 Gs. But 6.7 Gs is a good way to pass out and potentially uh, pass away. Uh, but luckily, that, did, that G-load didn't last for a long time, and it came down. Both the astronauts did not pass out, uh, kept executing maneuvers, and then they sort of kind of came in laterally to the atmosphere as much as possible because they were initially just coming down on what's called a ballistic trajectory where it's like going straight down, which is a good way to splat. Uh, so they managed to sort of orient to turn them a little bit more sideways. And that lateral movement allows the capsule to essentially shed a lot of its energy uh, and come in for a landing. And Nick, in conversation with Jim, just describes the whole experience, like, what maneuvers they're executing, how he stayed calm, the breathing exercises he did during that 6.7 G load so he wouldn't pass out. It's just amazing. Uh, it's the kind of thing that makes 
that reinforces why astronauts are heroes is because under these incredible circumstances, uh, they're able to just follow through on that training and put aside all of that emotion uh, that must be coursing through their veins. I mean, you know, I I think, okay, like if you had to be in that situation for, say, an hour, I can imagine that eventually you would stop panicking and you'd get your breath back. But you have to like completely not panic from the beginning because there's so little time. And so I wonder if there's something about either their training or just the kind of, you know, genetic makeup of these individuals where, you know, they can somehow just avoid going into fight or flight and, and going through that panic state. Yeah, I have no idea. My my only answer is that astronauts are better people than me. So, <laughs> uh, so anyways, they landed safely. But now the questions emerge uh, because we have three astronauts aboard the ISS, and this was their replacement mission. So they're up there. There's still a Soyuz capsule docked with the ISS. So worst case, they have a way off. But if they leave, there's no one aboard the ISS, and it's sort of just on its own, which is real bad. Um, The next launch window was December, but most people thought because there's a rocket failure, which is not a not it's a complicated thing how rockets work. um, There is rocket science involved after all, so (laughs) that they were going to postpone this launch. Well, earlier this week, uh, NASA Administrator Jim Bridenstine said they he feels like they can follow through with that launch window, and uh, Russia's slated to release the the findings of their three separate internal investigations of what went wrong in an, in the next week but anonymous sources internally are saying that the rocket booster was improperly attached to the rocket core and that when it separated from the rocket core it actually banged into it instead of falling away from it and that caused the entire ship to decelerate and it wasn't going to have enough energy to make it to space. So the computers ejected the Soyuz capsule uh, upon detecting that. And apparently, and it, you still we need to see the official report, this is a, a like a, a simple fix. Like there was some sort of error on on like a human side rather than like sort of a component side failure. So it's like, you know, when you're building a Lego set and you just don't quite get the Lego pieces all the way in before you put on the next piece. Yeah, I mean, these are all rumors, so we don't know if they're 100% true, uh, but it seems like there's enough confidence, at least at NASA right now, to move forward with that December date. I I mean, I I know there's a lot of news out there about Russia and U.S. strained relations. This is the opposite of that. These are two countries working together in the best way possible. And it seems like there's a lot of transparency and openness to share information about what's going on. And and really, this is this is a massive success amidst one of the craziest failures uh, that you could ever imagine. Well, I'll look forward to hearing an update next week. Um, and I just want to actually let our listeners know, I forgot to mention this, that the study that I was talking about, about um, improving the uh, health span and age and slowing down aging in C. elegans, uh, the, the uh, principal investigator is Jan Gruber, and it was published in Developmental Cell. So that's it for this week's Up to Date. See you next week. I will see you then. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. 
It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Mm-hmm.